How do I actually know what truth and reality are? What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers. We're therapists. We're not afraid of your questions. So bring it. This is an awesome question, Brandon, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. It's going to be a fun discussion today. But before we do that, we're just going to read our review for the week. It says, this is from... Job 987. Awesome. In full disclosure, I sought out the Therapy Brothers podcast because I know the brothers personally and I thought it'd be fun to listen to. I've gotten so much more out of this podcast than I expected, though. I've laughed, cried, been motivated to action, and gotten answers to questions I didn't even know that I had. The brothers are easy to listen to, but still provide a wealth of knowledge. You can tell they really care about the well being and mental health of their audience. Thank you. I don't know who you are. Um, I'm sure I would if, if, if I, you know, I knew who wrote that, but thanks a lot. I'm glad uh, you're getting something out of it and uh, yeah, keep listening. I appreciate the review. Come say hi to me and let me know who you are for leaving that review. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that was really nice. Uh, Well, Brown and that it's good to be back with you. It's been a long time. Yeah. um, Yeah. I was worried about you and uh, we, we went hunting last night. We went pheasant hunting. I walked through a field with Tyler and I was waiting for him to like collapse in the field. And, uh, we were driving home, me and Rex and, uh, we were saying, uh, you know, (laughs) we were saying, Hey Tyler, you know, uh, being the, being the tough guy that can grind through anything like that's not that cool anymore. (laughs) You know, what's in style now, (laughs) self-care. I got, I got to tell some stories about Tyler. He, he likes to wear shorts in like freezing cold weather. Um, he, he had hip surgery and he was like trying to get out of the bed the next day and go back to work and stuff. He, he wants to plow through, be tough. He, and, and Corona just kicked your ass and, and <laughs> gave you a dose of humble pie. And I hope that you listen to it and realize that um, you're an old man and it's time to take care of you. You are important and being tough isn't cool anymore. So I'll, uh, that's what I think. Being tough is not cool. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right, man. I did. This thing did actually serve me up a dose of humble pie. It's funny you'd say that because through this whole COVID thing, I've been one who's kind of just said, as long as we don't overfill the, the hospitals, let's just push this thing through. Let's let everybody get it. And uh, then I got it. And I thought I was going to die. Like it's, it's been like a three week long, I'm still not fully through it kind of process that really like this thing is for real for people. And, uh, it definitely made me realize my own, uh, my own frailties as a, you know, as a human being that, that life is actually a lot more fragile than sometimes I think it is. And I love that idea, Brandon. It's so funny as a therapist, and you'll relate to this, that we sit and we preach to people all these principles of self-care and make sure you're setting boundaries and make sure you're living, you know, according to your principles. And then we turn around and total hypocrites half the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I saw this thing on Instagram the other day where this this girl was kind of, she was kind of dancing in the parking lot, walking into a building. And she's like, me walking in to do a couple session 
with a couple right after I, I started a huge fight with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we can relate to that. That's, right? that's totally, I mean, that's totally right. And you're, you're right, man. It, I, I'm taking your, I'm taking your advice and chastisement to heart. I'm, we're trying to get things a little bit more in order for some better self-care and not just plowing through things. That's going to be a, a long, a long haul though, because that's, that's down in my own personality stuff that I got to work on. Right. Right. So, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm halfway joking, but, uh, I, I, I do, I did worry about you when, I called you in the morning and you were like, the, the fever didn't break all night long. And I, I don't know, it, it was horrible. And so um, this, this topic, Corona, COVID actually plays into our, our question really well. Um, I think we can relate it to that. So um, yeah, you, you got to, I'll read the question here. You have it. Let's see. I got it right here. Okay, so the question that we have today is, how do you discern truth from confirmation bias? What are self-checks that you can rely on to hopefully see truth instead of just seeing things that go along with your personal narrative? Um, I, I just want to thank the person who, who asked this question because I think it's so pertinent to the world that we're living in. And I, a, I just, yeah. It's a perfect question. I mean, everything, I mean, yeah, like we could... There's definitely a whole bunch of different opinions and thoughts about the COVID stuff, like you said. There's all sorts of different things that people are wondering about in the political world right now. Uh, not to mention things like spirituality and, you know, vaccines. And you, we can name a certain any topic. And there's definitely we could have a discussion on this question around any one of those topics. Well, well it also whittles down. I mean, we can look at things on a on a macro level like COVID, for example, I, Tyler, you're, you're a good example of this. Like when I was talking to you about COVID before you were kind of like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like, let's just, you know, every, everybody's, you know, blowing this up into a huge thing. And, and then all of a sudden you had a personal experience with it and your narrative has changed completely on COVID. Um, but that, that, you know, those are politics, um, pandemics, those are a macro level thing. Uh, there's there's also micro level things when it comes to perception and, and confirmation bias. Things like, um, what's the truth about my partner? Um, you know, I see one thing and I feed one narrative about my partner, um, but who are they actually? What is reality? And how do I know what reality is when it comes to my partner? What's the truth about me personally? I might feed narratives of shame um, and brokenness. But how can I see my my real nobility, my real worth, um, you know? And those are little macro level confirmation biases that cause us massive problems and suffering in our life. And uh, this this uh, question's awesome because the truth is what alleviates the suffering and 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 really does set us free. So the question, Tyler, is. How then do you know what the truth is versus these narratives? That's a good, you know, that's a great question. I think we got to back up and just to make sure we clarify so that, you know, that word, that term confirmation bias is a psychological term that I'm not sure everybody knows what that means. So I think we ought to just define that really quickly and then we can get into a little bit more about how to actually try to combat what confirmation bias is. 
Okay, so, that's that's a great idea. Do you want to take a stab at it? Sure. Yeah. So so basically, we as human beings, we have certain ideas or beliefs, and when we have those certain ideas or beliefs, it's a natural tendency for us to go and find the information that proves us right. So yes. so when we're looking for the things that prove our already preconceived notion or belief right that's confirmation bias because we start to filter out other parts of information that might be just as valuable or just as important because they don't actually confirm what we already believe. And so if you, we go into what you were talking about, even on those micro level things, if I believe that I'm worthless, I'm going to, to be looking with and my antenna evidence to collect evidence that proves my worthlessness. Yes. Right. If I, if I believe that COVID's not a big deal, I'm going to be reading articles that come from certain sources that say COVID's not a big deal in order to be able to justify it and then share that with all of my friends to prove that I'm right. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the Netflix documentary, um, The Social Dilemma, is all about this. But one, one interesting part of, of what they kind of flush out is how um, you know, the internet and social media is actually designed, um, their goal is to keep you on their platform as long as they possibly can. The way they keep you on their platform as long as they possibly can is by feeding you what you want to hear. Um, So, and so they find videos, they find pictures, they find things that that get you to say, wow, yeah, that's what I wanna hear. And then you start going down rabbit holes and collecting more and more evidence of this theory that you have. Um, and then all of a sudden in your mind, it's not much of a theory anymore because now you've, you've seen videos, you've read blogs, you've read all this stuff that says, yes, this is what is going on. And so that's the reality that you start to operate in. And that's what you think is truth. Yeah, it would, it would be a really interesting exercise, I think, for our listeners to actually see if they could pull themselves out of themselves for a second and then take a look at their own social media feeds. Yeah. And they'd probably, we, we could all probably find what some of our core beliefs are based just off of what, you know, if you were to go share, it's like swap feeds with a friend, you'd be able to instantly see what a lot of their belief systems are just on what's being fed to them, spoon fed to them. Absolutely. And, and so there's a difference between what's being fed to them and fed to us and actual truth. I had a really coming back to COVID for a second when the whole pandemic started happening. I, I knew that it would get politicized. I I knew that the polarity of the country and all of that, it would start to all these narratives from all kinds of sides would start to happen. And as a dad, um, and as a son to, to parents who are getting older, um, I wanted to know what the truth was. I just wanted the truth. I didn't care about how it affected this election or that election or what it meant for this opinion of that. I didn't want opinion. I wanted to know the truth. And, I, and, and to be honest with you, Tyler, I don't think I could find it. I, I, you know, months later, I was still like, well, I don't know exactly what this thing is until my brother got it. Um, that now I have a bit more of personal experience and, and evidence about what it is and what it's not. Um, but it was so convoluted in terms of trying to figure out what truth is. And 
if I had narratives, then I could figure it out. I would have, I would have found what I wanted to find. I didn't want to find anything about narratives. I was just looking for truth. Right. Right. And I think what the hard thing is in, in this situation, Brandon is, and this goes into the question that was being asked at the beginning here is how do you find the truth? Because, you know, if you go on to one one news place, you're going to get the politicized version of that information. If you go on to a different news place, you're going to get a different politicized version. If you start scrolling your own social media feed, whether we know it or not, our own our own beliefs and biases are already starting to fuel what's what we're going to get. And so, it is hard. It's almost like it's almost like you're trying to put together a puzzle with pieces that are in different realms and trying to figure out how do I get this piece to line up with this piece to line up with this? Oh, what is the, what's the closest thing I can ascertain as what seems like the truth here about things? Exactly. I can, can I take a stab at answering mm-hmm. this? And I'm going to get maybe a little deep here. So you might have to interpret what I say. <laughs> okay. um, I believe that consciousness exists beyond our ego. So our ego is uh, is is our brain it's our it's our mind trying to protect us and make sense of this world so our you know our ego is what gets caught up in these confirmation biases and these traps it, it, it and and they're feeding our ego they're feeding this narrative these thoughts consciousness exists beyond our ego what that means is we all have an ego and we can, we can hate it, but that doesn't do us any good. But if we can understand and get to know our ego and understand, you know, what it's telling us and what our, what our biases are, that, that's how, how we overcome them. So, so we don't say stop being biased and we don't pretend like we don't have an ego and I'm just open to everything. We say, I do have an ego. I'm conscious of how it works and I'm going to accept it, but I'm also going to rise above it. And I really like what you said earlier is, you know, you almost get outside of yourself. You look at yourself through a glass window and you see, oh, I act that way because that's what my ego does. Um, once I do that, then I can become aware of my narratives. If I can't do that, then I'm just in my own head. Unaware that those Un- narratives are even there. Unconscious, automatic those narratives just start to automatically happen. Um, and, and, and Tyler, the ego can be so strong um, that it feels like it is you. So like it, it can be so, but once you start to separate it out and realize, oh, these are my shoulds, these are my agreements, this is my perspective, this is my lens that I see the world through, then you can start to disseminate a little bit truth from perspective. Um, so it's a paradox there. You accept your ego, um, and by accepting your ego, you can overcome it and become more conscious. You become more aware of your ego. And I, I'll just maybe add to that, Brandon, on you know that idea of how you said consciousness exists outside of the ego most of us have a hard time contemplating that idea because we live in such a self-centered way. So basically the ego is the part of us that says, I'm the center of the universe. The world operates around me and stepping outside of the ego is when we're able to place ourselves in the broader context of 
the universe or something yes. or something bigger than ourselves. And in order to do that, that takes mindfulness and consciousness. Yes. It takes the ability for us, and this is really hard, and this is going to get into some of the answers to the question, I think, some practices that we, that we can do to try to help with this. It takes the ability to become curious with how we're living our lives and becoming curious with the actual thoughts and beliefs that we have. And then with that curiosity, going and trying to expand our perception by looking in the places that we may not even want to. Yes. In order to gather information. And, and this is a part that I learned from dialectical behavioral therapy is when you're looking at all of these different perceptions, some of which you don't fully agree with, the goal is to try to find a kernel of truth, even from the perception that you might not agree with. Yes. And what that does is that allows me to step outside of my ego to see that there's multiple lenses by which people could see things from, and that some of those lenses, in fact, all those lenses probably have some kernel of truth. And right. if I can find that kernel of truth, I can then start to assimilate it into what my, my current belief system is, but I'm doing it now with consciousness. Yes. Okay. Okay. You're getting very kind of clinical and like, let, let, let me dumb this down a little bit. Okay. Uh, curiosity <coughs> is, is key. Uh, I love that word curious. Um, so you, and, and what does that mean? Getting curious. It, it's you're, you're reflecting on you're, you're exploring, you're exploring and looking at, um, versus living in and just auto automatically doing, um, so when you can get curious, then it starts to open up a whole new world. When you talk about mindfulness and reality checking, um, a lot of people want to use their egos to, be, to practice getting mindful and, and learn, you know, read how to do it and learn how to, when really mindfulness is all about letting go. And mindfulness is an interesting thing, Brandon, because it's like a two-sided funnel where on one side you have the need to be aware and concentrating and narrowing down your focus. And on the other end, you have the need to be able to let go and surrender. And yes. It's, it's being yes. able to balance those two things that actually leads to the, to the, to the state of mindfulness. Hey, right. Um, I, uh, I, it's hard to explain mindfulness because of what you just did a, a really good job at, at explaining it because you are, you're kind of doing both things at the same time. Um, I always tell my clients that I, I want to come back to the kernel of truth that you're talking about. I, I always tell my clients this, I say, yeah, when we're talking about boundaries and how to find their truth and how to step into their truth or, or, or how to know whether or not their, their spouse has cheated on them or what the reality is of their family or their in-laws or whatever, <clears throat> I say this, don't trust your head. Um, love your head because it's there. It's trying to protect you this egocentric ego state of mind, but don't trust it. Um, because it's not operating in reality. You could be having a trauma response, uh, all kinds of other selfish motives could be there. Don't trust your head. Now I also say, don't trust your heart <laughs> now, but what I mean by that, Tyler, I'm, I'm all about following your heart. I get it. Like that sounds wonderful and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, your heart is more emotional. Your heart is more, there's, there's love, there's attachment, there's, you know, it wants connection. Um, 
don't just trust your heart. Uh, if you just trust your emotional response and, and you go for attachment all the time, um, you can get hurt. So you know what to trust? I have an idea, but go ahead. You trust your gut. <laughs> your gut. Hey, my, my belly is my favorite part of my body. That's where, <laughs> that's where all the food goes. So that's where, uh, yeah, but you, you, you abuse that part of your body too much. <laughs> um, hey, don't go, don't get into my own self-care issues. But, um, no, but when I talk about your gut, I'm talking about your center. I'm talking about your intuition, um, getting grounded in a mindful state and getting centered. And so your emotions, you're not way far over in your emotional mind. You're not way caught up in your logical mind. You're in your wise mind when you're, when you're acting from a state of intuition. Um, and, and I believe that's where truth starts to flow to you. That's, that's where you start to, it, beyond the, the confirmation biases, beyond your perceptions, it's just you're resonating in truth. So, so learning how to get to that place of centeredness, of groundedness, um, then you can really discern truth from just bias. That's beautifully said, Brandon. And go along with what you're you're talking about. You use the term wise mind. The idea of the wise mind, as it relates to mindfulness, is this idea that we do have our heads. And you said you should love your head, and we do have our hearts. And yeah, we should live, you know, wholeheartedly. But the wise mind is where you take. You basically take the truth in both sides of those two things and where they overlap is where your gut comes in. That's where that gut feeling says, okay, I do have these rational things that line up with the emotional things. That's the gut. And, right. and too often what ends up happening is this, we're either panicked so much and our emotions are just like a roller coaster. They're temporary, like they're flowing. You can't hold on to an emotion. It's going to move. And so if we're trying to always make our decisions based solely on emotions, number one, we're not gonna have any connection because nobody can ride that roller coaster. Number two, it's going to feel pretty crazy. But if we're always in our minds, then we miss, we miss that ability to be, I love what you said, the word centered, to be centered in actually feeling as much as thinking in the, in the part of knowing. Right. Yes. I showed uh, this video in one of my groups a while back. And it was just a YouTube video of babies laughing. And, uh, you know, it's fun to watch babies laugh. It's great. And, and so there was like probably like nine women in the group. And eight of the women and me, we were laughing with the babies. We were having a great time. And another one of the w women kind of hunkered down and then just started sobbing. And we're watching the exact same video. So why is she sobbing while everybody else is laughing? You know, why is she crying? And then, and then we realized she was crying and then everybody stopped laughing. Um, and you think about that, you take the reality of the situation. If we were to get mindful. Now I, I processed things out and we were, we were actually talking about emotions. So it was perfect. Um, she struggles with infertility. And, and makes total sense why a video of babies laughing would light her up. Yeah. Now it makes sense. Right. Yeah. So, the, so we see her lens, but, but, and, and are her emotions valid? Absolutely. Her emotions are a hundred percent valid. Um, are her emotions based in reality? 
are, are our emotions based in reality when we're laughing at the babies? I, I would say this is, this is where the different lens idea and the kernel of truth idea comes in, that the answer to both is partially yes. Okay. Um, this, this is going to get like almost annoying here. Um, <laughs> so the truth is, if we were to get down to reality in that moment, like, let's get down to reality. What is happening? Let's get mindful in that moment and what is happening, okay? So we're, we're in this group. There's a lot of emotion going on. There's laughter and there's some crying. If we get down to reality, what are we laughing and what are we crying about? Basically, if you really get down to it, you're, you're basically, you know, if we want to get way down into mindfulness, you're looking at a set of pixels on a screen that happens to be pictured like a baby laughing. Yes. And Thank some, you. Some people are laughing and some people are crying. See, Tyler, Tyler's done this before, but it, it, it's really, really difficult sometimes to get a person to, to that. So like if I'm watching a TV screen and there's babies laughing, people will tell me you're laughing, you're laughing at the, the babies, at the babies. And I'm, uh, and I'll say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not laughing at the babies and she's not crying at the babies. Um, uh, we're actually looking at a piece of glass um, and, and pixels and electricity and light. That's all that, that we're looking at. There's no babies in front of us right now. Um, it's just, it's, and, and now why am I getting that annoying with the mindfulness here, Tyler? Because what you're doing now is setting the stage to pull back into now being curious with what is it that my narrative and interpretation is of this set of light and pixels and electricity. Yes. Because now I can look into myself and say, my story is what's causing me to process these things in, in these ways. It's not actually these babies or this video. That's, you nailed it. So, so that's it. It's, it's when you get grounded. So, so when I'm in that room, noticing the glass, noticing the light, and I'm grounded in that moment, then I can, I can do what we were talking about earlier, take a step out and say, what are my narratives? What's my perception here? The reality is, is I'm safe in this therapy office right now. Um, that's all that's happening right now. There's, there's a group of people sitting around me. I'm looking at, at glass and light on a screen. Now I can get curious. Now I can examine why my emotions are what they are. And it's not get rid of those emotions. It's actually have some self-compassion. It's become aware of them and attend to them. But no, but no one understand what's pushing it. Yes. Okay. So, so let's give a more, uh, a more real example here. Just a day-to-day just a -day example here, Tyler. So let's say... Um, Let's say you go home, you get home from work, and your wife is just angry at you, and you don't know why, okay? Mm -hmm. So, and she says, you, like, you have let me down, and you are so lazy. You never do anything around here, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, I'm just making this up. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, <coughs> so you walk in from work, and you're tired. You've been working all day. You're, you're just kind of stressed about life and things. So you, you walk in your, your house and there you have it, okay? How do you, confirmation bias, 
So, so let's say in the back of your mind, you think your wife sucks. Yeah. She's always nagging me. She's, she's always, she's never going to, I'll never be enough no matter what I do, all that stuff. So, so you're going to go there. If, if, if that's your bias, if that's your perspective, mm-hmm. when she starts saying these things to you, that's where you're going to kind of go, oh, right? There's proof. There's my wife being bitchy again. Like, I guess yep. it's, I'm just going to, and then, and then I'm going to naturally go into my autopilot based off that narrative that I see as fact, because I'm in my own ego and I'm either going to go disappear and be like, F you, I'm going to go check out on the TV or I'm going to turn around and start a fight with her. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's add another confirmation bias in. So, okay. My wife's a nag Mm -hmm. and here's another confirmation bias. I suck as a husband. I'm not good enough as a husband. Okay. So, so now I'm gathering proof, or at least I believe that. So I throw, I suck as a husband in there on top of my wife is a nag. And these, this is my perception. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really going to go do what you just said, right? Yes. That's okay. the natural, that's the natural default setting. That's autopilot. Okay. So Tyler, walk us through what we're talking about in terms of discerning truth, getting centered um, mm-hmm. and getting curious. What would that look like? Yeah. So so if I, if I walk in and she says those things and then I instantly have my body shoot up and go, she's being a nag and I suck. Most of us won't even be aware of the, I suck part. It's so automatic and so unconscious. Exactly. I have to step back and say this, I have to, I have to be able to stop, take a deep breath and step back and say, how is it that I'm actually seeing this situation? What's actually happening? And what's actually happening is, is that my wife is talking to me in a certain way. And I happen to be interpreting the way she's talking to me in a certain way. And the best thing that I can do is understand my interpretation. Okay. Because, because there's probably multiple other interpretations that I can also possibly find some, some kernel of truth in. Right. Okay. So, so, so but I, can I, can I back up a little? Yeah, go ahead. I, I might say too, like ground yourself, like mm-hmm. realize you're standing on the floor. You're, you know, there's a wood floor. You're so back to that, like that screen, right? That glass screen. So, so just get, because automatically, if you have the thought that I suck and my wife's a nag, you're going to go unconscious and you're going to be in your emotional mind, ready for a fight or ready for a shutdown. And so why I say get grounded, like just, I like what you said, focus on your breath, take it, take a step back, touch something tangible, um, remind yourself that the sun's shining on your face. You're okay. You might even, you might even just notice what your body's doing and say, wow, my heart's racing. And I just, your body, yes. Just notice my jaw just clenched up and I'm feeling some tension through my neck and my shoulders. Uh, That's a way of also grounding into going, okay, now I can become aware of those physical things are also going to be connected to the emotional things and the story that's in my head. Right. Right. We call it the triangle of awareness where if I can connect the physical, the physiological sensations to the story and give it a name emotionally, then I'm, then I'm in that kind of centered place where I can now start to look at it with a, with a new set of eyes. I I really like something you just said, which is give it a name emotionally. Um, verbalizing something helps you get mindful and ground and grounded. So like, even in that moment, if you said to your wife, Whoa, I I'm getting defensive. Um, I just noticed I'm like, I I'm getting defensive here that, that will, will help you get there to that moment. Um, so yeah, if I'm aware, if I'm aware of that defensiveness, then the next natural curious question is, 
why am I so defensive? Yeah. Then you get into your perspectives and, and then my different perspectives. And one of my default places now that I've been working on really hard is, is that when that happens, I try to go into one of the four agreements from the book, the four agreements that says, don't take anything personal. So, and don't make assumptions. If I can take, yeah. And take my assumptions away. So what are my assumptions and what are the things that I'm taking personal? If I ask that I'm already into my own story and narrative now. Yeah. I'm already into going, Oh, this is a me issue. Like I'm the one who's interpreting her as a nag and wow, I'm the one who's blaming her for making me feel bad, but I'm the one who believes that I'm no good. Right. So which actually is giving your power back to you. Yes. I get to, I get by becoming aware of that. I now get my choice back. Yes. I I get my decision-making process to say, I'm not at the whim of like her being a nag or me being no good. I've got to go do some work on whether or not I want those stories to actually be true. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, uh, Victor Frankel says there's a space between stimulus and response where we have power to choose. And that's, that's the difference between a human and an animal um, is, is that we actually can create what Tyler's talking about. We, we have it within us to um, strengthen that muscle and that muscle is, is mindfulness and, and getting out of your head and actually getting into your gut. Um, and once you, once you can create that space over and over again, you then can choose your behaviors and the consequences that you want in those situations. I, if my wife did that to me, Tyler, um, I really do believe, and I know I can't control her, but for the most part, um, I, I, I could turn that into a moment of intimacy and a moment of connection and a moment of safety and trust between the two of us. Um, or I could choose to turn it into a moment of chaos and destruction. Um, but you, but could, yeah. you could transcend your ego or you could operate from your ego. Yeah. And, 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 and what it requires is simply getting grounded in truth. I, the truth is, is, is I don't suck. The truth is, is she's not just a nag. There's a lot more going on to her than just that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I, if I back up and I don't get caught up in those co- narratives, I, I get grounded in the truth, then I have opportunity to choose what I want. It's beautiful, Brandon. Uh, this is this has been a great topic today. I'm sure it's something we probably kind of circle back on, but it's, it's been fun breaking it down. Yeah, it's been good. Hopefully there's been some value. I, I think there probably, I feel like there has been. We've spoken about a lot of the things that we talk about in our groups and our treatment. So, you know, Tyler, I just, if I could give a recommendation and, you know, if, if you want to learn how to discern truth, then uh, spend some time with God and uh, get out in nature and sit in some silence, uh, pray, meditate. Um, and what you're doing is you're practicing just being and just being grounded in those moments and if you never practice that in that moment where your wife's yelling at you, um, it's going to be hard to all of a sudden get curious. You don't have the skill set. Yeah, but if you're, you kind of have this overall sense of gr- groundedness and you practice mindfulness regularly, it's much easier to get curious. Absolutely. Lots of practice. I think, I think what it boils down to the answer to the question is, at least that we talked about today, is mindfulness practice is... Yeah part of the answer of 
being able to discern truth. Yeah. So mindfulness practice, emotion regulation, all the all the buzzwords of therapy, but overall it's about getting out of your head and uh and getting centered. So all right, you guys, thanks for listening today. If you like this episode, uh, we love it if you share it. Um, also, we would really appreciate reviews on iTunes. And uh, yeah, let us know how we're doing and how we're helping you. So we'd really appreciate that. Yes. Have, a great, have a great day, you guys. Have an awesome week. See ya.